The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about this month's MarTech news. Joining us is Juan Mendoza, who is the author of the MarTech Weekly, which is a weekly email newsletter to help you navigate the marketing and technology industry with thousands of subscribers from the world's largest companies. And TMW also serves as the MarTech Podcast's sister newsletter. Yesterday, Juan and I talked about crumbling cookies and first-party data, and today we're going to continue our conversation examining what is Salesforce's business. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly. Juan, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Great to be back, Ben. Great to be back. Always excited to hear from you. Always excited to hear about the newest in MarTech innovation. And today we're going to talk about one of the OGs, one of the pillars, one of the institutions of MarTech, of Silicon Valley, of the San Francisco skyline. Their building looks like a giant salute to the entire coastline of California. But what's inside? Let's talk a little bit about what's happening at Salesforce and how their business has evolved. Juan, what the hell is Salesforce these days? Well, I think that's a question on everyone's mind at the moment, Ben. I mean, there's been a lot of stirring in the media at the minute about Salesforce's performance, but it's a fascinating question because Salesforce, as you mentioned, they are a monolith in MarTech. They are the inventors of the software as a service model. This company is huge. IDC, uh, it's a research organization, last year they predicted that by 2026, Salesforce would be responsible for 9.3 million jobs and $1.6 trillion in revenue. And you look at this company, it is incredibly massive, but it's so shrouded in mystery. What is Salesforce? Everyone sort of goes directly to think about Salesforce as a CRM, customer relationship management business. But is it really? If you look at its sprawling ecosystem of apps and services, if you look at even its app exchange, which has you know thousands and thousands of integrations within Salesforce, it gets a bit confusing. It gets a bit murky. But I think that it's an interesting time to think about Salesforce in its role in the, in the MarTech industry, because 
of, well, we're right in the middle of a tech downturn and everyone's feeling it. I mean, even HubSpot, one of the main competitors for Salesforce, have just announced layoffs as well just last week. So it's an interesting time because even now, Salesforce, even though as a business, they have been always cash positive, they've always gone from strength to strength in terms of growth. At its peak in 2019, the CRM, so it's a public company, they're representing about $290 billion market cap. So Salesforce has been on this 20-year march of growth and quote-unquote innovation. But on the other end, it's like, well, maybe it's time for change. What does that change look like? At the moment, you've probably seen Salesforce stale sales ticker is down with every other company. It's just coming back up now. But there are a whole bunch of changes happening at the board level at Salesforce. So the CEO, Mark Benioff, he's the founder and the CEO, and he's still there. And he just had an executive change with his co-CEO. And they've also just had a change in board as well. There are quote unquote activist investors, investors that are known for buying up companies and quite drastically changing them and being quite ruthless. Salesforce just had a massive round of layoffs. They're still going through that over a period of several weeks. And so we're thinking, okay, well, before we think about disrupting Salesforce, we have to understand what it is. So that was my question. Juan, get to it. What is Salesforce? I I think of it as a CRM company. Now I look at it as, well, they own Slack and they own a whole host of other companies. They've got a marketing cloud, a whole bunch of other technologies. Lay it on me. What is Salesforce? Well, I think that Salesforce has six strategic pillars. So that's a way you have to think about it. Now, if you go onto the Salesforce website, the way they organize their products is around clouds. You've got marketing cloud, you've got commerce cloud, you've got sales cloud, and you've got service cloud. Those are the four big bits that they organize themselves around. But you don't see all the stuff that's underneath that. If you think about Salesforce as a company, I think there are actually six areas. The first one is infrastructure. So Salesforce actually has a pretty strong developer platform. And it also has something called Commerce Cloud, which allows and builds that sort of core infrastructure for e-commerce companies. Some of the biggest e-commerce companies in the world, retailers actually use Commerce Cloud. So Salesforce plays a role in infrastructure. Experience, marketing cloud, email marketing, Pardo, which is the B2B version of sort of a lot of that email marketing CRM type stuff. And then they've got things like Einstein, which does a lot of that machine learning, decisioning of content and experiences for users. So Salesforce is also an experience business. They're in the business of providing a great experience to customers through Marketing Cloud and Pardo. And then you've got integration. The next bit is quite interesting. They acquired SmealSoft a little while back. They also recently, uh, I think in 2020, they acquired Evergage, which is a customer data platform. But they also have this thing called AppExchange, as I mentioned at the top of the call which is a huge sprawling ecosystem of applications that integrate directly with Salesforce. And then recently, Salesforce has just changed some of its positioning on something they call Customer 360. Now, Customer 360 is just a way of saying, how do we integrate all the bits in Salesforce around into one sort of package that we can sell to a customer? So Salesforce, in a lot of ways, is an integration business, but mostly integrating with itself because of how big it is and how many customers use it. Operations is the next bit. That's looking at sales cloud and service cloud. And how do you actually create operations for salespeople or people who do customer service to make those operations better, to more effective, to get more value out of them? That's a bread and butter of Salesforce is the sales cloud and the service cloud is the CRM type software that really just makes sure that your sales team and your service teams are on top of what your customers are up to, <laughs> really. But then they've also got work.com, which is more of a content business. It's all about how do you operate your business. And then Slack, as you mentioned before, big acquisition, one of Salesforce's biggest acquisitions, actually. But again, that's operations. That's internal communication software for employees. The fifth is career. 
And this one is a very different way of thinking about Salesforce. You would think about Salesforce as a tech company, but Salesforce also has one of the largest education businesses in the world for technology. So you're looking at things like Trailblazer and Trailhead, which is the community and the education platform that helps people learn about Salesforce products and how to use them, but more importantly, how to build a great career around the software as well. You've got Salesforce Plus, which is like a really weird streaming service that's similar to Netflix. And then last but not least, Dreamforce, which is the jewel on the crown. Basically the massive event that takes over San Francisco once a year. And at its peak, I think they had more than 130,000 people attending Dreamforce, which is a smattering of vendor expos, conferences, keynote addresses, product releases. It's a full-on festival for two to three days there. And the last one, but not the least, is Insight. Increasingly, Salesforce is building insight tools. They acquired Tableau, and a few years ago, they also acquired Datarama, both analytics businesses to help get business insights into companies. And so if you look at Salesforce in this like pie chart, and there's six segments in it, I would actually say that Salesforce is not just one company, it's probably more six, because all six of them are very, very different needs within companies, but also they're so different in terms of product and how they do their strategy as well. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Salesforce is an amazing company. It's an incredible success story. It's an established pillar of the technology community. And it started this huge wave of innovation with SaaS. And I think that it's grown and grown and been profitable and allocated its resources successfully for a long period of time. I don't want to be critical of Salesforce because I think at any turning point, you can look and say Salesforce has done it right and scaled and expanded in the same way that I think Oracle has expanded and become a mainstay and a pillar. It's this generation's Hewlett Packard, IBM, these companies that have been around forever and are successful, but it's a little unclear about what they do. And to me, I think back to my days when I was working at eBay, eBay went through an acquisition where they acquired Skype. 
And eBay went from an e-commerce company to an e-commerce and payments company with their acquisition of PayPal. And everybody said, okay, e-commerce, payments, those two are related. Then they brought in Skype and they said, well, we're going to own three of the pillars of the internet, e-commerce, payments, and communication. And all of a sudden, it seemed like eBay had lost its way. It wasn't really an e-commerce company anymore. It was a holding company. And there have been holding companies that have been successful, but not ones that had the brand established in a specific vertical like eBay. And I think that Salesforce is at an interesting point where it's a little unclear of what the Salesforce brand is, as opposed to what all of the assets Salesforce, the company, owns. So Ben, you have a lot of experience in brand marketing. How would you approach rebranding Salesforce? What would you do there? You know, there's an underrated little known fact that if you go to force.com, it redirects to salesforce.com. And to me, I think that what Salesforce has done has gone beyond sales, that the acronym of Salesforce is not necessarily descriptive of what the company does. It actually seems like they've outgrown the brand. Now, there's equity in the brand that people know. And to me, I would take advantage of owning the force moniker. And I would say that there is Salesforce, which is Salesforce's CRM business, but there are all these other companies. I would actually rebrand the whole company, similar to what Google did as Alphabet or what Facebook has done with Meta. And I would call the company Force. And you can have Salesforce, and you can have Career Force, Communications Force, you can have Content Force, you can have all these different things that Salesforce has invested in and built the business, but they are not specifically branded towards sales. That would be my go-to. Look, uh, rebranding a company the size of Salesforce is no small investment. They have the capital, but I think that there is an underlying issue and the reason why guys like you and me who have been working in the technology industry for years and talk about it on the daily are sitting around scratching our heads saying, I don't understand Salesforce's business. They're getting into this conglomerate type business, this holding company, and it's not clear how their original mission and their original brand drives was what they would do. I actually think it's rebrand time. I would also add to that, that when we're dealing with Salesforce, we're not dealing with a novice brand marketing type company here, right? If you go back in the Wayback Machine and you go back to the original websites for Salesforce, they had this phone number you could call and it had 1-800-NO-SOFTWARE, right? Like it was spelled out like that. And if you look at how Mark Benioff talked about Salesforce in the early days, back in the 2000s, and by the way, like they were a challenger brand back then, right? That was started out of a one bedroom apartment just up the road from where the Salesforce Tower is today. And it was three guys, they got in a room and they worked really hard and they grew the company really quickly over three years. But it was a lot of that was actually talking about this narrative of the end of software. So back in the 2000s, the way you would do software in a business is that you would buy it once and then you would install the platform on the computer or within that sort of on-premises architecture within a business. And Salesforce came along and said, hey, actually, the browser is sophisticated enough. You can actually do all of that great work in a browser. You don't need to install software anymore. They used to run around conferences dressed up at these signs that had like software and a big red cross over it. So they had this incredible positioning in the early days. And they were very clear, like CRM is the future of how you do customer relationship management and sales, but you don't need software to do that. But now you think about that whole category they inspired, software as a service, which is browser-based technology that you don't need to download or pay for. 
and also the subscription revenue model as well, which they pioneered. So they've pioneered a lot of stuff. But I agree with you that it's become so big and so bloated, like even looking at the acquisition of Slack, which was, I think, for more than $20 billion. And they're still yet to figure out how to integrate, like there was a vague idea of how you integrate that to improve sales communications and internal stuff and integrate it with Salesforce, sure. But that's very, very different as a business culturally, but then also as a technology as well. I went through this. I was responsible for the integration between eBay and Skype. How do we figure out how to connect communications? Ironically, Slack is the souped up version of what Skype was, which is some sort of a chat and phone video communications. And we were trying to integrate into e-commerce. It's not in e-commerce. It can facilitate conversations. You can directly sell. There's all sorts of ways we were trying to get people to make phone calls to buy more products. That's just not what people use the phone for. That's why there's a website. Now, maybe there's touch points where it can be integrated. It's not the core purpose of the business. It's a standalone successful business in itself. So yes, the integration is nice in points. It's not the reason why they bought the business. They bought it because it's a successful SaaS business. It's a force business. Yes, You can use technology and subscription revenue to build these incredible businesses. Do that and start buying them up like left and right. Call them all force businesses. To me, that's actually what the Salesforce business is. It is in the same way that Amazon's expanded into web services and content and Apple's expanded into 15 different million businesses and Meta, they all have rebranded and called themselves something different. And now it takes the pressure off of the individual business units all having to be merged together and telling the narrative, call them force, make them force businesses. It is the no software SaaS holding company. That's my take on what the Salesforce business is. I do think that change is coming. Like even internally with Salesforce, I mentioned new investors, a new board, a new direction, perhaps, you know, you might see the sell-off of some of these bigger acquisitions potentially. But I do think that as an industry in MarTech, we're moving towards greater composability. What does that mean? More solutions that do one thing really well and with a greater focus on integration, as opposed to, say, working with a big monolith, say with Salesforce or Adobe or, you know, even within the Google stack as well. So I'd say that, you know, if you start and you can go on the MarTech Weekly for pro subscribers, there is a wonderful diagram that actually breaks out these six pillars of Salesforce and all the companies that are trying to slice away market share as well. Everything from, say, Notion and ClickUp through to high-touch data that's doing data activation on a data warehouse, all the way through to companies like Domo and Snowplow that are offering different types of insight products without having to subscribe to the entire sort of cloud business of within Salesforce. And so I think it's a fascinating time. I think, you know, Salesforce could do a lot more work around positioning and branding. But also, I think we're in a season of change. We've got a generation of hungry founders that are wanting to actually take some parts of the Salesforce business and make it better and smarter for their customers. So I think I'll leave the audience with that. Is I think there's change coming. I think Salesforce is powerful, but we do have a really interesting change in the marketplace as well. Salesforce is powerful. And the one thing I'll say for all the upstart companies that are going to try to take a share of their business, if you come at the king, you best not miss. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly. If you'd like to get in touch with Juan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter. His handle is spelled crazy pants. It's Juan Mendoza, but it's J-U-4-N-M-E-N-D-0-Z-4. Or you can visit his website, which is themartechweekly.com. 
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's the Martech Weekly, or you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.